Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another exciting and astounding edition to Conversations with Shelby Green. I am your host, the main man, Shelby Green, and today we're going to be reviewing a new psychological supernatural horror film that came out last weekend, the weekend before, I believe, called The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke. Now, excuse me one moment, swig of water for the working man. I just... um, you know, got done after working out in the gym, and I thought, you know what, I need to get this review out, so I'm going to do it right here, right now for you guys. So basically, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, my girlfriend and I decided we were going to see a movie this past Saturday night, and we thought, you know, we want to go see a film, and she's a horror fan like I myself, so we went and saw The Black Phone. Now, we had heard that it's more thriller-based than horror, it's more of a... Um, a little overrated. We heard some people say that, but knowing how I am, I probably would end up liking it. And I tell you that I'm, you know, going to talk a little bit about it. I'm going to spoil some stuff for you guys. So this will be a spoiler review for anyone. If you have not seen the film, pause this right here, right now, and come back later with my review to hear on it. But I'm going to let you know on my review about it right here and right now. We're going to rate it a scale of 1 to 10. My thoughts on it, my favorite scenes, my performances, the issues. I If I had any issues with the film and everything else. So that being said, let's talk about this. So basically this film centers around two little kids named their siblings, Finney and Gwen Shaw. They live in, in the Denver area, Denver, Colorado, obviously. And their father is an abusive alcohol, alcoholic, excuse me. So I talk about that. Well, while this is going on around the center around these two kids, this was about the the main story is about this serial child abductor named the Grabber. He's basically this guy that comes out posing for as a magician, and he ends up taking kids away with black, leaving black blues the scene of the crime. So. Basically, um, this film center around that. You hear about this and that. And it takes place in 1978. Now, whenever it is a 70s atmosphere, for whatever reason, it works best for horror films. I've always said that before. I know everybody is on this 80 craze, craze where everybody loves the 80s and everything else. But to me, the 70s just fits that, just, I don't know, that grungy, like, like era of horror films, I think. Also, I think it's the Grindhouse era and shit, but... 70s style atmospheres for horror films, excuse me, let me turn that silent mode, uh, horror films are always been my favorite. Now, basically, this film uh, is directed by Scott Dickerson, who has done some horror films to his credit. Scott Dickerson is known for directing films like The Love and Ruins, he's done Urban Legends Final uh, Cut, Hellraiser's Inferno. Actually, I'm sorry. He was a writer on Urban Legends Final Cut. He did Exorcism and Emory Rose, The Day the Uster Stood Still. But the film, everybody talks about in the horror community he knows, he's known for is Sinister and Sinister 2. Well, I'm sorry. He was a, a writer and producer on Sinister 2. He was a director and writer and executive producer on Sinister. And I'm a big fan of Sinister. It's one of the Best horror films of the 2010s, in my opinion. I've always, always enjoyed this movie. I highly recommend that. Let's see what else we got going on here. Let's go back here. Okay. Also, he's also directed, and another film he directed that I was a big fan of was the 2016 Marvel movie, Doctor Strange. And basically what happened was the production... He was um, he got assigned this by Blumhouse to direct this film and co-write it with uh, C. Robert Cargill and and um, 
also produced this with Jason Blum and Blumhouse. And um, he was talking about this, doing this film, but it was another film called Doctor Strange 2, The Multiverse of Madness that was coming out. And he decided to drop out of that film and decided to, you know, take a role in a horror film, return to the horror genre. Because now Scott Dickerson is one of those guys. He's one of those guys now in the modern era when you watch a horror film, a certain style, you know it's his style of film. And you'll get that when you see this and you watch Sinister, you'll see what I'm talking about, the parallels and the way they shoot, the cinematography, the tone, everything like that. Now... It stars, run down the cast real quick. We're going to run down the cast. Mason Thames as Finney is a young student. who As uh, a young student. Basically, Mason Finney, uh, Finney, he's really, Mason Thames as Finney is really good in this. Then you got Madeline McGraw as Gwen, his sister. She is fucking great in this. Hilarious. But the star of the, the, star of the film, easily, is Ethan Hawke as the grabber. Child cat, kidnapper, as you find out later, a serial murderer. Basically, Ethan Hawke in this is as terrifying as it gets, in my opinion. Very, 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 um, what's the word, the word I'm looking for? He's very charismatic in the way he does things. Like, in the sequence of the films, when you first see this guy, you don't technically see him. You see him do his... Um, appearance like you see you see the black van he drives around and he pulls up when he's and he's about to interact with children and it goes to a black screen it fades out and we get back to like Gwen and Finney and the story center arounds them with kind of like at the beginning the grabbers in the background and you find out throughout the film that the police are now going to Gwen's school her school and interviewing her because she says she has dreams about certain kids and stuff she's having dreams about the way kids are kidnapped and stuff and the police are investigating because they can't find anything. So, basically, also, uh, Jeremy Davis as Terrence Finney and Gwen's alcoholic and a very abusive father is really good in this too. He plays that alcoholic who is basically, he's a widow, a widow father. He's screwed up basically from um, from her, fuck, from her, uh, his wife dying. So, I mean, he's very screwed up and he turns to alcohol. As a matter of fact, there's a scene in this. We're talking spores in five, four, three, two, one. We're, there's a scene in this where uh, Davis, uh, Terrence, excuse me, Jeremy Davis plays Terrence, is a, uh, he goes, he finds out that Gwen is being, um, getting questioned in school by the police, and they actually come to his job and talk to him, and he ends up whipping her with the belt. Like, it's very traumatizing. Very traumatizing. The scene is very like a scene where you could tell the guy has some problems. Some very, very deep thought problems. And it's very whatever. Like Gwen and Finney are walking home from school. And they're, and they're talking about, well, Gwen's like, well, I'm going to go stay the night with my friends. And Finney goes, okay, I'll go look at your dad. So anybody that can relate to dealing with an abusive or an alcoholic parent knows it's like as a kid, to, you know, like to watch over them. Like they basically have to be an adult. At a young age, to, to watch care of, of uh, their father who's a drunk, so it's a very deep and psychological part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, you got E, you got E. Roger Mitch, Mitchell as Detective Wright. You've seen him in some in some stuff. He's done um, he's done the Hunger Games. He's been in Walking Dead. He's done television roles like One Tree Hill, The Shield. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. I mean. Recently, his his work he's done is um he's been in the Anchorman too, he's he's done Salema, he's done the, he was the mayor in Goosebumps, 
I mean, he's done. He was Tupac's attorney in All Eyes on Me. He's been in a lot of movies too, so it was nice seeing him on screen. You also got James Roman as Max, as Max, who ends up be t- being the Grabber's brother. And I'm gonna go into the issues of that. Max is also, in my opinion, he's known for being playing the adult Eddie Casbrack in It Chapter Two. So it's kind of cool seeing him. And I forgot he's actually in the Sinister movies. So it's kind of nice seeing him. So you know, with you get Scott Dickerson, he, there's certain he's a, he's already got that feel of horror films, and talking about that. So whatever. Um, so we're going to talk about this film. Basically, Finney, the, who is the main character of this film outside of The Grabber, Finney is basically a, a, a teenager or a teenage kid on that verge. And he's very, um, he's very, um, sh- like, not a tough kid. He's kind of, he gets bullied a lot or whatever. But he's got a, a, a friendship with a guy named Robin. And Robin basically stands up for him. He beats up a guy. Like, he kicks this big bully's ass in the beginning of the film. I'm like, damn, that's graphic for a kid beat up kid like that. And it, early in the film, he, he knows, like, whatever. And they they strike up a friendship, basically. And he tells me you need to start standing up for yourself or whatever. And actually, they end up talking about, um, they talk about horror films and shit in the movie. They talk about that because this is around 78. This is 1978, so they're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see them talk about that, talk about drive-in theaters and shit. Anybody knows me, I'm a big component of keeping drive-in theaters alive. So let me get a six swig of water real quick. So basically, days after, days later after, um, you know, <clears throat> that... Um, Days after that Gwen is being questioned by the police, once again, Robin, not Robin, uh, Gwen and Finney are walking home, plain and simple. They're walking home from school. She goes, I'm going to stay night with my friend. She takes a left. He takes a right. And Finney encounters the grabber. The grabber gets out. He has, he has um, groceries and he drops groceries. And he... He's, you know, he, he stops, you know, curious. He goes, you all right? You need some help? And the guy goes, you want to see a magic trick? I'm a part-time musician. The guy gets up. He goes, you got black balloons? Yeah, you want to see him? And then that's when the grabber grabs him. He, ma- like, gives him some some type of mace or whatever or whatever. He throws him in the back of the van, shuts the door. And we now are seeing, like, kind of like still shots of films where you see the grabber, the guy's carrying Finney, and he throws him on this bed. And Finney wakes up, and he's in this secluded like soundproof basement he's on this bed laying there and he awakes to the 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 grabber wearing this weird mask now i will say this the mask the mask that the grabber wears in this is very very terrifying um and he's just very creepy with his presence like he does little things like whatever and he locks him in the room so the police uh end up searching for finney or whatever and whatever. Now there. Now I will say this: the movie centered around since around. There's this black phone that's in the wall of the basement, like an old school phone. And Finney gets up, being curious to look see if the phone has a wire, and it, it doesn't work. So the grabber explains something that doesn't work or whatever. No one can hear you, right? So the next thing you know. The grabber goes upstairs, locks the door, and eventually Finney starts hearing the phone ring. 
he starts hearing the phone ring and he picks up the phone and you, he hears from people and he hears from people. He starts hearing from other victims of the teenagers, like the other teenage, the other kids that are caught. He hear, they talk to him like they don't remember their name, and then Finney has an interaction with them in the movie or whatever. Here's a story about him, and they talk about it. They he reminds them, and they talk, and they give him hints and clues about how to potentially get out and defeat the gra- the the grabber. Now the grabber comes back down later, and he gives Finney some food, some food, and Finney. Like as he goes to shut the door, as the grabber goes to shut the door, the door is leave cracked open. But as Finney prepares, he's like, "Oh, I got to escape." The uh, phone call, a phone, the phone rings, and he explains the person on the other end of the phone explains something like, "It's a game the grabber plays, and it's called Naughty Boy, which is basically like it's a sick game." And I'll explain to you what it is where. Finney is Finney like teases he's gonna go up the stairs. The camera pans up on the it pans up and then it takes a right and there's the grabber in a mask with his shirt off sitting there with a belt in his hand and he's like breathing heavy and shit looking intimidating waiting for Finney to come up there so he can beat him. So when uh, and now we're gonna get a little interesting. So now there's like these they're on their in this basement there's this one window. There's this one window that has bars on it. And Finney does some tricks with some ropes and shit. He finally pulls it, but he realizes he can't get out of that window still. So it goes into, like, these bars become a big part of the film. So then, um, Finney decides that eventually he's going to wait to to um, to escape. So the grabber who sits up there in his chair, he wait, he falls asleep. He falls asleep, falls asleep, falls asleep, finally fighting it. And Finney finds out through the through tele, to phone calls with another person, there's a combination lock on the door that's from one of the victims that the grabber got of the of her of a kid's bicycle. So he finds out the, the he finds it out. He finds it out. He goes upstairs, he fucks with it, fucks with it, fucks with it. He finally pops it. As soon as he pops takes out the door, the grabber wakes up. The grabber takes off. Finney's running down the street screaming, help, 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 help. The grabber catches up to him, grabs his grabs him a knife, and tells him, basically, he's, you say one word, I'll gut you like a fucking fish, and I'll choke you with your intestines. And a couple lights from the light uh, houses out turn on. They eventually turn off. The grabber says, naughty boy, punches him in the face. He wakes up. Finney wakes up. He's laying on the bed. Then we're going to go to this. So then... Later, like the detectives who are questioning Gwen earlier in the film, earlier in the film, they show up to this guy named Max's, and he's sitting. Goes, I'm sitting in my this guy named Max, who I was talking about earlier, who's the grabber's brother. He's telling me I'm in my brother's house. You know, I'm invest. Who's investigating the? Who's investigating where these kid child these children are being kidnapped and everything else? By the way, and a funny side note: the cops catch him using cocaine or whatever, and they let it go, which I fucking would have thought was hilarious and hysterical. And also, Gwen is having dreams now. Finney's sister is having dreams now of her brother being kidnapped and other hints of the other killers and shit of what happens. So, they find out things or whatever. And then, meanwhile, Finney gets another phone call from another guy talking about there's a meat cellar on the, on the drywall where he tries to escape and Finney can't get through. He can't get through. 
So finally, he gets a phone call. Finney finally gets a phone. The final phone call that uh, Finney receives, he receives from his good friend Robin, and they're talking about Robin. Talking about Robin, and Robin tells him to use the phone to cut the cord and fight and defend yourself because he he says the grabber is going to kill you now. Meanwhile, upstairs, Gwen gets a hunch of what's going on. She calls the police. She has a dream. She knows where the grabber is. She knows where the grabber is. Meanwhile, back at the, the grabber's home, Max decides to... Um, Max, all of a sudden, and I'm going to talk about this, why this is, I'm very mixed on this. Max decides, after storing a line of cocaine... He's sitting there on the, his his couch and he's looking at the, he's looking at the map and he looks in the middle of the map and he realizes his address. He takes he walks up walks down the kitchen looks and he opens a door to the basement and he opens the door and he finds Finney. Finney already has set up has what I'm gonna talk to you about has already set things up for the grabber. As Matt goes, I'm his brother. I'm here to help you. As he does it, the grabber first kill on screen takes a fucking axe and hits him over the top of the head yes and the the grabber is very terrifying he's got blood all over him he's wearing white so now he's all bloody and shit and he looks very toddy and he talks about that was my brother and he was an idiot but he was my idiot you just gotta be buried with the rest of those naughty boys meanwhile the cops are at this house you think okay they're gonna catch they're gonna catch him and catch him the cops break into the house and the house is empty and you're like, what the fuck? Where is everything at? Now everybody, now I'm in a theater full of people. And everybody's like, oh no, they escaped. Like the what happened? What happened? He escaped. Come to find out, the grabber has two homes. the The house that Gwen was seeing in her, the the house she was seeing in her dreams was across street from the grabber's actual home. He owned two homes. The other home was outside. He kept the, kept the bodies at. So then, so then. Finney now has the microphone in his hand and he, the phone he's and and the grabber gets struck goes hang up the phone hang he yells at him a terrifying very terrifying how he yells at him and then he goes you want to try and escape go ahead the grabber now grabs his big massive black pit bull gorgeous dog but looked terrifying I believe it was a pit bull and chains him up like go ahead and escape this dog's gonna bite your ass as he does it Finney takes off running to the side and the grabber the grabber decides to get away from, goes away. Finney has a trap laid out where there's a hole in the ground from digging earlier trying to escape. He goes in and the ball, as the grabber falls through the hole, Finney's, Finney's, uh, the, 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 the bars that Finney pulled, pulled in are in the hole. The grabber's ankle gets caught and he cracks his ankle. Now he's stuck, he can't get out. So he's trying to get him and the grabber, fuck, I mean, uh, Finney grabs the phone, whacks him a couple times. Then, as, um, I think the grabber grabs and pulls him around or whatever. And for some odd reason in this movie, Finney somehow takes the grabber's mask off. The grabber freaks out, grabs his face, and then Finney grabs the cord and is choking the grabber. And on the phone, he holds the phone up to the grabber's ear. And every one of the kids the grabber has killed has said the last words. The last words that were told to Finney are said to the grabber. And the last words that Robin say goes, Finney's going to kill that motherfucker for us. And, and Finney snaps the grabber's neck. The grabber falls down. He's dead. And everyone in the theater gave a standing ovation for it. It And now I'm, I've skipped over a couple of plot points with the traps and stuff. But I'm trying to give you guys a rundown without spoiling this so much for you. 
I said it'd be a spoiler, a spoiler film, but I don't, I want you guys to go see this film. I really do. And you know, at the end of the film, Gwen's sitting on the pavement. She's scared that her brother's dead. They don't know what's going on. And then she looks across the street. Her brother walks out of the house and he runs. And then the drunken father comes up. He hugs him and everything else and all this other, all this other good shit. The cops make the announcement or whatever. And by the way, I want to add to you this, that Gwen has some scenes in this. I don't remember the direct lines. That's not why I'm saying it. She's fucking hilarious. And some of the lines she says are fucking great. And she's very protective of her brother. Like she actually helps her brother out in a fight with some bullies and shit in this film. So it's a really, 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 um, really, really um, good movie. Now, overall, guys, I thought this film was damn good, damn great. I think in the next 20 years, we're going to talk about this as being one of the modern horror classics. Like, of the 2010s, this is going to be in the this is gonna be in the top 10 or maybe top 5 of the best horror movies of the decade so far. I mean, no, I know we're in 2022. We got a long list to go. But, man, it's a damn good movie. I enjoyed it. I had a hell of a time with it. So let's talk about where do do I rank? What do I have? Positives. I thought the grabber is very terrifying. This The casting, the writing in this movie is really well written. Hell of a score as well. And shot well. Beautiful cinematography in my opinion. Horror cinematography. My mixed aspect of this. That twist with Max. How did you not know? I know he was investigating stuff. But you think... You would notice something like you would hedge, you would hunt, you give people the benefit of the doubt, you see every day, but at the same time, this logically, I'm mixed on. It's not a negative nor a positive. I'm just in between on like, eh. Negatively, I have nothing negative to say about it to this point where I have nothing negative to say about it. On a scale of 1 to 10, that's my ghetto ass drum roll, 9.25 out of 10. I think that's a really, really fair score for this. I recommend you guys to go out and see this. Pay money in the theater to see it. It's worth it. Also, I was asked, is this film on jump scares? It does not rely. There's a couple scenes or maybe one or two that maybe go, oh, shit. But it uses them well. It doesn't overload it with jump scares like the Conjuring universe does. And I just pissed a lot of Conjuring fans off, and I really don't care. Um, overall, though, guys, 9.25 out of 10. I had a great time with this. I do plan on when it comes out on, on um, digital download and new um, video on the man I will be watching it I don't collect blu-rays anymore I haven't for a while because everything seems to come out on uh, whatever streaming service even though there's some films that you have to buy for your collection I probably end up stealing this if I see a really cool ass steel book but the black phone is damn good um, overall guys I cannot tell you or praise this film enough now I want to talk to you guys about what I've been up to now why I didn't give you an episode last week basically what happened was guys I plan on seeing Jurassic World Dominion, and I never got around to it, so I waited till I saw a new film. I was going to do a review on a film that my buddy Travis Yavar, and I'm about to talk about him in a minute, he gave me a film called Eating Alive. I'm going to plan on rewatching that and doing a review for it. It's this wacky, <laughs> bizarre horror film he gave me. I think you guys would, it's on Shredder right now on it. You can watch it on Shredder and Amazon Prime. But I, he gave me the DVD, even though I didn't watch DVD because I, I have the Shredder app through Amazon Prime. So I watched it on there and I have an interest to take on it. So I'm going to review that in the coming weeks. But I do plan on giving you a Jurassic World Dominion review. The next review, however, I do plan on giving you guys. I got to see that Elvis movie that's coming out. So I'm going to review that. But I want to talk about Travis Shavar. I was just recently on his podcast, Horrifying, my friends. It's on every streaming service you can streaming service you can see. And basically, what it is is um, it's a um, 
Basically, we talked about, uh, we reviewed a horror sequel classic, an underrated sequel classic, in my opinion, Psycho 2. We reviewed that, and we talked, we gave, like, just gave us an update on the world, what we've been up to. We talked about Stranger Things a little bit, non-spoilers. We talked, or we gave you five, our top five favorite horror sequels to watch. So you might want to, if you're interested in watching a franchise of a sequel to a franchise, we gave you our top fives apiece. And they're very different, too. They're very different. They're very different as well. So you guys will get an interesting take on that. Um, overall, though, guys, also Horrify, my friends, that episode is out. They, they drop new new content every Monday. I cannot recommend you. It's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. But overall, guys, that's all I got for this week on uh, Conversations with Shelby Green. Um, it was kind of a fast-paced review because I tried to get it out over the weekend, but I couldn't get to it. So I gave you guys some spoilers, but I didn't want to spoil the entire movie for you guys. But overall, you guys have a great day. And just remember, I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is, straight up.